Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. And today we're going to be talking about the UFC Welterweight Championship between Kamaru Usman and Leon Rocky Edwards, the rematch. And it's going down this Saturday night live in Salt Lake City, Utah, from the Vivint Arena. And let's already establish the fact that this is an elevation, Salt Lake City. There's some altitude in this place, man. I mean, we're not talking about Mexico City. We're not talking about Denver, Colorado, but we're still talking about 4.2K above sea level. So I'm very curious to see which athletes showed up in advance and who addressed the elevation, you know, who's been sleeping in those hyperbaric chambers and who's ready to either conserve their cardio or push a pace and break their opponent. And in the main event, as we mentioned, this is a rematch between Kamara Usman and Leon Edwards, a long time in the making. I mean, the first time that these guys ran it was literally Kamara Usman's second UFC fight. It was in 2015, in December of 2015. And it was actually a pretty damn close fight. I mean, Leon Edwards won the first round on two of three judges' scorecards. But, you know, Kamara Usman with that pace he pushes definitely got the second and third. And it was a big turning point for Leon Edwards because after that fight, he never lost a fight again. And Kamaru Usman, needless to say, he's undefeated in the UFC. He hasn't lost since either. Not that he lost that night, but just saying he's been on a win streak. He's been undefeated since. And if Kamaru Usman goes out there and beats Leon Rocky Edwards, he ties Anderson Silva for the most um, for the longest win streak in UFC history with 16 wins. Which is crazy because back when Anderson did it, we were thinking, dude, there's no way anybody's going to come out here and put up 16 in a row the way Anderson did back in the day. And it's nostalgic for me because we haven't seen a dominant champion like that. Now, obviously, Kamaru doesn't have the flash and, you know, the, I want to say, just these epic Matrix like performances that Anderson had. But dominance is dominance. And, and you can't debate. Or, you know, put any arguments against what Usman has accomplished. It's been second to none. So to do what he's done, he's got not only is he on the verge of tying Anderson Silva's record, but he's also got the longest win streak in UFC welterweight history, which when I say that, that means that he had a longer, he's got a longer win streak than GSP had. Because I know Dana has been saying that he's the best welterweight of all time. And a lot of people found that very controversial because, you know, how could you say that when the great GSP is is you know has accomplished what he's accomplished kamar uzman he might not have the title defenses that gsp has but he's got a longer win streak at welterweight and he's undefeated in the ufc pretty damn impressive so lots to talk about with this main event so without further ado smash the like button hit the subscribe retweet comment let's do the whole bit and let's get down to business because main event of the evening for the undisputed welterweight belt, we got Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare Usman. He's 20 and 1, representing Nigeria and the United States, taking on Leon Rocky Edwards, who's 19 and 3, representing Great Britain. And currently, they got it. Kamaru Usman, minus 380, somewhere, he, some other places, minus 400. I even see a minus 35, a minus 435. And the comeback on Leon Edwards is. Everywhere from plus 300 to plus 330. Great fight. Great fight. So first off, you see a number like that next to Leon, and I understand some people are tempted right off the bat. He's a very solid fighter. 
it's just for him to win this fight, certain things need to happen. Obviously, certain things need to happen for anybody to win a fight. Captain Obvious here. But what I'm trying to say is those certain things that need to happen is it needs to be a slow-paced fight. The output and pace of Kamaru Usman is almost double what it is of Leon Edwards. So if this is a nonstop, just balls-to-the-wall type fight, you have to favor Usman there, not to mention Usman getting top control last time Leon wasn't able to get up. Now, this time, I think Leon's going to be able to stuff a few takedowns. But when they finally come, not sitting here saying that Kamaru Usman's going to pass guard and, you know, get off on big damage on the ground. But I am saying he does have good enough top control to to steal those rounds and hold Leon Edwards down and not let him get back up. And, and those rounds are going to be banked. So here's what Leon needs to do, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Interestingly enough, because I'm going to talk about how Leon's the longer guy. He's got to keep it long. It's actually Kamaru Usman that's got the two-inch reach advantage. So Kamaru's got these, these physical attributes that are just ridiculous. Like we talk about all the time, that Nigerian physicality, that Nigerian power, that African power. And it's a real thing, man. I mean, like you looked at last week with Onama, that first round. Onama is like a, this green kid who's barely had any UFC fights. And that first round, the kid's hell on wheels. But Kamaru Usman is a seasoned UFC champion on the cusp of greatness. And once the the power and the physicality is honed in with the skill set, it's truly something to behold, and it's something that is very, very hard for his competitors to deal with. So with Leon Edwards, when I say he needs to keep it long, and, and it's funny saying that considering Usman's got the reach advantage, what I mean by that is I think Kamaru's going to be the one that has to close the distance, whether it's to land these, land these big shots up top or even close the distance, get takedowns. And Leon likes to throw down the pipe. Leon needs to discourage Kamaru. When Kamaru closes that distance to try to land something big, Leon needs to intercept him. Back in the day, when Leon was on his run back in England, what was the league he was fighting in? Was it called Bama? I know he was. I don't think he was a Cage Warriors champ. I think he was the Bama champ. I don't even know if Bama exists anymore. Some of my UK fans, let me know, does Bama even exist anymore? But Leon Edwards was the Bama champ. And, dude, he was a sniper back then. This guy was a sharpshooter. You try to close the distance on a guy like Leon Rocky Edwards back then, and he would snipe you with something straight down the pipe. He's got to do that here. He's got to discourage Usman when he does that. And if he's able to do that, then he could potentially slow down the pace and fight at the – I say slow down the pace and, and fight at the pace that he wants. Um you know, remember when uh, Mike Goldberg was like, his precision is precise. You know, it was funny as hell. Shout out Mike Goldberg. I feel like I'm saying the same thing. He needs to slow down the pace to fight at the pace he wants. But make me say it in a Mike Goldberg way. His precision was precise, right? Um, but look, now all bullshit aside, Leon Edwards has to slow down this pace. He needs to make it a methodical you-go-then-I-go type fight. And if he does that, then he can have success because this guy is no slouch. There's not much weakness in the game of Leon Edwards. Here's the thing. The places where he's been truly tested and where we've maybe seen uh, a weakness, and shout out Moyes, he said Bama and Cage Warriors uh, merged. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and they go under the Cage Warriors banner now because I haven't heard the name Bama in a long-ass time. I know y'all old-school fans remember Bama. And that's good that they merge. You know, keep it under one banner in the UK. But... um. The places that I've seen Leon really get tested is two areas, of course, and you guys know exactly what they are. Um, it's not necessarily a takedown defense because the takedown defense is on point. I mean, this guy's got a 70% takedown defense. It's just when you take him down, 
he's got kind of a hard time getting back up. And the other place is that chin's been checked a few times. Now, his recoverability is really is goddamn on point, and he's a very smart fighter. He knows how to circle on the outside, and he's not going to take any unnecessary risks, which maybe as a fan isn't the most exciting quality to watch, but as a betting man, that's something you got to respect that you know your guy's not going to go out there and do anything stupid. So Leon doesn't really do too many stupid things, but the times that he has gotten chin-checked, I mean, obviously, you guys already knew about the Diaz one. I don't got to bring up the Diaz one in the fifth round, but one of the more underrated ones that people tend to forget about was actually the Brian Barberena fight. And I believe it was the second round of the Brian Barberena fight. Let me look that up. Yeah, correct. Second round. Second round, Brian Barberena clocked Leon Edwards, dropped him badly. And if you actually look at the strike numbers for that fight, Brian Barberena doubled up Leon Edwards on strikes. It was just that Leon you know how we made the joke after uh, Leon lost to Kamaru that, you know, he became Britain's premier D1 wrestler, you know? He actually took down Barbarena three times in that fight, so he's been mixing in takedowns nicely, and with his height, he's able to get more, like, Greco upper body type takedowns. The thing is here, taking down a guy like Usman, who on paper says he has 100% takedown defense. Now, there is a debate. A lot of people think that Colby might have actually taken him down that last fight so let me know what y'all think did, did colby hit that takedown or not because dc says that colby hit that takedown but ufc stats says that he didn't so it's up for a debate but it's going to be kind of hard to do that and i go back to the Bilal fight because when i bring up these upper body takedowns one thing Bilal was able to do was he was able to he was able to turn um leon around and get him up against the fence now i think that Bilal just has this insane heart but Kamaru's got more physicality than Bilal, and I think that if Kamaru pins him up against the fence, I think that Leon's going to be staying there for a while. And from there, Kamaru can start racking up knees to the thigh, foot stomps, take down attempts of his own, break away, land some big shots. So I definitely see it being competitive, but you have to favor Kamaru down the stretch. It's just with these long-reigning champions, they lose when you least expect them to. And then to take it a step further, you see plus 350 next to a fighter as solid as Leon Edwards, who's been in there with Kamaru. He's felt Kamaru before. He's familiar with him. Like, there's not going to be too many surprises. I understand why it's tempting for some. For me, it's a pass. My pick is Kamaru here. Um, I just simply think that right now, I, I don't really see him, like, slowing down too much. I mean, like, I understand that some of those later rounds against Colby, the last fight, kind of got sketched. But... Not to make excuses for Kamaru, but I, I think that there's a reason why. I think that when you're dropping someone all over the place, I think that it takes a lot of energy to try to finish someone. I think that sometimes you can get carried away. And then also after you have such emphatic early rounds and you quote unquote play it safe the next few rounds, people might misinterpret that as, oh, he's fatigued, oh, he's gassed out, oh, this, oh, that. And then you got a guy in Colby Covington who pushes the pace he does and exactly, Skirt said exactly what I'm saying right now. Leon can't push the pace that Colby does. And that's such a good point because Colby, after he survived those knockdowns, which I don't know how he did, like it was crazy, man. It looked like his jaw was going to get broken again. He's pushing the pace while Kamaru is kind of like, okay, I've banked these first few rounds. I'm going to coast now, which is fine. I mean, if you got money on a guy, there's nothing wrong with someone coasting. Leon doesn't push that pace, so it needs to be a completely different fight for Leon to win. Leon needs to slow it down. Leon needs to find a way to discourage Usman. When Usman tries to close that distance, Leon needs to be there sniping him with something down the pipe. 
try to somehow surprise him with a takedown or two, but I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe, maybe get him thinking about the entries, maybe faint the takedowns and then go up top. So it's got to be very strategic on, on Leon's part because I don't think he's going to come out here and brute strength a guy like Kamaru Usman. I don't think that he's necessarily going to knock out a guy like Usman. And then to take it a step further, you know how I mentioned how when I've seen Leon get taken down, doesn't often get doesn't often get back up. And, you know, I'm not just referring to the first uh, Kamaru fight. You go back to that Gunny Nelson fight, and that fight, I believe it might have ended with Gunny in full mount on, on top of Leon Edwards. And that that's a very bad look. Like, I know Gunny is this credential black belt, but... When you're a top three guy in the weight class, you need to be handling Gunny accordingly. And even though I disagree with it being a split, I definitely thought that Leon won that fight decisively. The fact that it ended the way it did, it was kind of sketch, man. So, yeah, there's been, you know, we talked about how, you know, maybe Leon's been dropped a few times and, and Kamaru's durability has been tested too. I mean, the the beginning of the, of the Burns fight, even the first Colby Covington fight wobbled a couple times, but the dude can recover. The dude can push a pace. And right now just doesn't seem like the best time to bet against them, in my humble opinion. But again, with long reigning champions, you just never know. Like they lose when you least expect them to. And Rocky Edwards is a formidable opponent. So you can't take anything away from him. He's 100% earned his title shot. I mean, look at the guy. Wins over back when he beat Tumanov. That was a big fucking deal. Tumanov was running through guys back then beat Vicente Luque, beat Brian Barberena, Rafael Dos Anjos. He didn't beat my boy Bilal. He won a round against Bilal, but that was a five-round fight. So y'all saying, oh, he's on his way to winning against Bilal. Um, he won a round against Bilal. And 100%, can't debate that. But I need to see how that fight would have played out. And then he beat Nate Diaz. Look, he's on a nine-fight unbeaten streak. Give him his title shot. And let's see if he can make the most of it. But I got to go with Kamaru Uzman. I'm not sure if it's going to be a decision or not. It's easy to sit here and say it's going to be a decision based on how their first fight went, but y'all know this. Y'all know that no two fights are created equally. I mean, whether it's as recent, the most recent rematch, Stevie Ray Pettis. First time was a twister, a modified twister. Second time was a decision. Um, prior to that, Zhang Wiley and, and Joanna. First time's a five-round war. Second time's a spinning back fist knockout, right? So, like, no two fights are created equally. And since that point, Kamaru's been dropping people, man. Kamaru's been scoring knockdowns. I mean, like, just to put it in perspective, in Kamaru's last one, two, three, four, five, in his last five fights, he's landed two, four, six, seven knockdowns in his last five fights. I mean, that that's pretty impressive considering when you look early in his career, you know, there were some knockdowns here and there. You know, he did knock down Strickland, who was cutting a lot of weight. He did knock out my boy, Serginho Moraes, and... um he even got a knockdown on Damian Maya, but now the knockdowns and the knockouts are coming more frequently. So the work he's been putting in with Trevor Whitman, it cannot you you cannot overlook it. And it's pretty, I want to say it's admirable that he left his comfort zone at Sanford MMA, which is a fantastic gym, and because he wanted to get that specialized attention. You know, the big gyms aren't good for everybody. The champs need that specialized attention where the camp is revolved around them. And that's what Kamaru's camp is. <laughs> revolved around, you know, just him being the champion and keeping that belt. So I'm going to go with Kamar Usman and still, but I'm curious to see how I'm not counting Rocky out. You know, I'm curious to see how competitive he can make this one. And there are paths for him to win. He's got to slow this fight down, fight at his pace. But ultimately I think right now is a bad fight, to, a bad time to fight Usman. And uh, I see him getting it done.
co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division. Right now it's the middleweight division, but let's see if anybody misses weight uh, on uh, on Friday. Currently they got it. Paulo Costa, 13 and two, representing Brazil, taking on Luke Rockle, the former Strike Force champion, the former UFC champion. He's 16 and five, repping the USA. And currently they got it. Paulo Costa minus 360. The comeback on Luke Rockhold is plus 310. And man, I fucked up on this one because there was a minus 255 on Paulo Costa earlier in the week. And I was thinking, like, shit, I might play that straight. I blink my eyes twice and it's all of a sudden minus 360, right? So, you know, you miss a line by over a dollar. You know, there, you don't force bets. If you don't get the line you want, there's no reason to play it. You're allowed to sit back and enjoy. And that's probably what I'm going to end up doing here unless some money starts coming in on Luke Rockhold. Um, you know, it's funny. A couple days after the line got steamed, I saw dudes posting bets at like minus 260. I'm like thinking to myself, like, dude, that line hasn't been around in a long ass time. Like, trust me, I'd love to come out here and post some fake lines and act like I got in on that. But, you know, that's not my style. So I missed the line. So you missed the line, you pass. Uh, but look, bottom line, let's break this down. Luke Rockhold, what does he bring to the table? He's a very physical guy. He's tall. He's long. He's got huge body kicks. He stopped a, a man named Costa with a body kick. Actually, in Duluth, Georgia, I was in attendance. Um, funnily enough, the opening fight of that card was Benny Dariush versus Charlie Brenneman. So I was actually at Benil Dariush's uh, um, UFC debut. Hold on one second. I, I got to answer this question. So Bozanich said, do you watch uh, Mojahed Fujilai's videos? Dude. I interviewed Mojahed Fujilai on half the battle before anybody knew who the fuck he was. So I've been fucking with Mojahed Fujilai a, lo a long time. And Mojahed Fujilai, you know, the dude, if you, for y'all that don't know who he is, he's the guy that makes those badass like MMA animation videos, the really funny ones. He, he designed the Best Fight Picks logo. I paid this man for the Best Fight Picks logo and I interviewed him on, on half the battle. So hell yeah, Mojahed Fujilai's the homie, dude. I, I fuck with him big time, man. He's hilarious. So y'all definitely give him a follow. He's amazing. Uh, but back to this. So I was at Luke Rockhold's fight against Costa Filippou. Um, and, you know, when I tweeted out, this is what happened last time we fought a guy named Costa. You know, I was, dude, come on. You think I actually, you think that I think that has any, like, indication of what's going to happen here? Like, you know, I'm just, you know, I was just tweeting that out. Like, you know, I know damn well that that has nothing to do with this fight. So because I know some people were like, therefore what? And I was like, I didn't even put a therefore <laughs> in there. But um, so he fought Costa Filippo 2014. Dude, we're approaching close to fucking 10 years since that fight happened. And one thing about Luke Rockhold, people are saying that now his chin is suspect. Dude, his chin ain't just suspect now. His chin's been suspect a long ass time. But before I talk about that suspect chin, let's talk about the good qualities Luke Rockhold brings to the table big kicks that body kick is nasty he goes up top with it you shoot sloppy shots on him he's got a nice guillotine series he can sweep and get on top and his top control is devastating and i'm not just talking about like when he's in your guard i'm talking about when he passes to full mount this dude luke rockle i mean won a title that way off weidman who's a d1 a d1 all-american and, and a black belt you know do that beat andre galvo in, in uh in grappling back in the day so luke rockle when he's on top and full mount very very heavy up there and I mean, the dude's nasty on the mat and he kicks hard. So like output wise, you know, not output wise, because the pace ain't the best. But I'm saying um, he can give it 
But like Floyd Mayweather said, can he take it too? And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to let you know, no, he cannot take it too. And this whole, oh, now he's chinny talk, dude, he's always been chinny. It's just that he's so damn tall that not everybody's able to, you know, he fights very long. Not everybody's able to connect. But this dude's been getting knocked out since his second pro fight in two, in 2007 against Tony Rubalcava. He slept him. 2013, Vitor Belfort with the, with the wheel kick slept him. Michael Bisping in 2016. I was in attendance when Michael Bisping won that belt. UFC 199, amazing moment, knocked him out. And then the last two in 2018 and 2019, respectively, against Yoel Romero and Jan Blachowicz. I mean, dude's getting, dude's chin has been getting launched into orbit, and he hasn't fought since 2019. You know what happens when these guys start talking about retirement. You know what happens when they just come back for that paycheck. You've seen it with the Alexander Gustafsons. You've seen it even with guys that that still perform at a high level, like Dominic Cruz last week. He won two rounds, which like he won two rounds, but anytime Cheeto touched him, Cheeto dropped him. And if you've watched Cheeto fight before, it's not like a no-brainer that Cheeto, you know, Cheeto style, the way I describe Cheeto style, chill, 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 kill, kill, kill. So it was what it was. Uh, but back to this. When you see these guys, you know, talk about retirement, he's coming back. How old is Luke Rockhold now? gotta be like 37 38 he turns 38 in october i mean it's over you understand what i'm saying it's over look can he land a big body kick on costa possibly if he gets on, on top of costa passes to full mount okay yeah but costa you got to give this guy credit man firstly how is his takedown defense well he was in there with an olympic wrestler yoel romero stuffing takedowns and when he did get taken down he popped back up he was dropping a guy like yoel romero that i, I didn't see too many other guys dropping yoel romero yoel romero is as durable as they come yoel romero is built out of steel i remember robert whitaker talking about how when he used to hit uh, yoel romero in their two five-round fights it felt like he was like kicking steel it was like why does it hurt me kicking him you, you know you understand what i'm saying so dropping a guy like yoel romero is a big deal look Paulo ran into Izzy. Izzy's the the champ. <laughs> it is what it is. Izzy's an undefeated uh, champ. Oh, well, not undefeated at, uh, overall, but undefeated at middleweight. The time he lost was up at, at 205. But anyways, I digress. Um, and then, but Paulo, look how he bounced back. Yeah, I get that the decision didn't go his way against Vittori, like the number two guy in the division, but that was a hell of a fight. And regardless of who, they, who the fight went to, like we can at least admit that Paulo at least looked back to form. It at least looked like the old Paulo. Like he didn't, he he pulled a stunt and laid an egg in that Izzy fight, but he went back to still being uh Paulo in the Vittori fight. So it was a step in the right direction. And with Paulo, you know, you know his physique is ridiculous, but the guy's got high output boxing, obviously gets hit a little bit too much for my liking. Big, big power, big body kicks, very confident guy. And he's only 31 years old. He's either in his prime or he's entering his prime. So it's just, he's catching Rockhold at the right time. I think he's going to come out here and knock Luke Rockhold out in the first round. So yeah, I, I got Paulo Costa here. I'm just disappointed I didn't move in at minus 255. You know, it's it's minus 360 now. It's minus 400 now. It's like, I missed the line. So I guess I got to sit back and wait, but I'm hoping that some Rockhold action comes in so that I can go back and get Apollo uh, at minus two something. That would be really nice. But y'all know my style. If I missed the line, it's not often. I, I mean, I, I don't force bets when, when I don't get the line I want. So it is what it is. And I'm not always going to be correct about there being value on lines. Like, for example, last week, I thought there was value on Bruno uh, Blindado, and there was no value. He looked 
like he looked fucking terrible. I don't know what happened in that fight, and I don't want to take anything away from GM3. GM3 did his thing. GM3 was the sharp side. Props to everybody that bet GM3. Great job. Um, I was just dead wrong on Bruno there. Um, and it is what it is. And I won't make excuses and say he looked like shit, even though between you and me, he did look like shit in that fight. But you got to give credit to GM3. And shout out to my boy, Nate, the train land. We're cashing that plus 265. But anyways, I, I got Paulo Costa to come out here and knock out Luke Rockhold in the first round. Featured bout in the Bantamweight division. This is this is the one I've been going back and forth on. This, this is one that we really got to talk about. We got to sit down and really think about this one. So... Not a title eliminator, but like a one fight before a title eliminator. We got the great Jose Aldo, the future Hall of Famer, the former uh, the former WEC featherweight champion, the former UFC featherweight champion, the last ever WEC featherweight champion, the first ever UFC featherweight champion. Jose Aldo, the two-time UFC featherweight champion. He's 31-7 and seven, representing Brazil, taking on the upcoming Georgia, not not Georgia where I'm from, but Georgia up there uh, next to Russia. Marab Dewalish Wheelie, he's 14 and four. Currently, they got it. Marab minus 140. The comeback on the great Jose Aldo is plus 120. Man, this is one of those fights that so many factors to talk about. If it's a five round fight, it could go a completely different way than if it's a three round fight. Kind of like Cruz and. Uh, and uh, Marlon, even though if that was a three-round fight, I think that Marlon would have had more urgency early on, even though every single time he touched him, he dropped him. Just saying, Marlon, in five-round fights, he knows he's got all his time. Uh, he knows he can take his time. But here, with Jose Aldo Jr. and Marab Dualishwili, five-round fight, you got you to gotta favor Marab with that pace, especially here in altitude, man. And I know for a fact that Jose Aldo did not get to... Uh, to Salt Lake City until like Tuesday. So uh someone let me know if Jose has been sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber, which I highly doubt. Jose is so prideful in his surroundings. And dude, you know he speaks perfect English, but won't won't do it in interviews, right? Like the dude is so proud to be Brazilian and to train at the same gym, Nova Uniao, for all these years. And I mean, look, you can't argue with you can't argue with the results, man. I mean, look at what he accomplished back when I was like. Was I in high school back then or not? Let me see. So Jose Aldo, because I've been watching this dude since he fucking flying need Cub Swanson. Um, for y'all that haven't seen that, go check it out. He flying need Cub Swanson eight seconds, two thousand nine. Okay, so I had already graduated high school at that point. I think I was in college already, or just about to begin college or something. Because I know I took like a year off. But anyways, so you look at this dude. Like usually, like I talk about, like once you get to that ten year mark, like that's when you start thinking, like okay, like maybe, maybe it's time to consider, you know, maybe your shelf life has expired. You want to know how long this dude Jose Aldo's been fighting? He's been fighting eighteen years since two thousand four. He's approaching two decades of fighting, and he's top three in the world. Like that, that's an enigma. That that's something you do not see. That's a special guy. That's a special athlete. That's a that's an all-time great. That's a guy that's going to be in the Hall of Fame, no questions asked. Like 10 years is a normal shelf life for a fighter. 15 years is pushing it. 18 years, and let's say 18 years, but oh, but getting knocked out every single fight. 18 years, this guy's top 3 in one of the most stacked and competitive divisions in the UFC. So and you see what's happening with his peers. You see 
Frankie Edgar is just getting blasted every fight. You see Dominic Cruz ain't looking like he used to look. Jose Aldo, I mean, shit, man. Look at look at these last few performances. I mean, look at his whole fucking career, man. This guy's something special. And to take it a step further because of how these guys match up, Jose Aldo has legendary takedown defense. My boy, someone said Aldo speaks English. I'm not buying it. Can someone find any video? Dude, I met this guy in person. We had a conversation in English. Trust me, he speaks very good English. He's just very prideful and uh, he wants to rep Brazil. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Or he's shy to do it on on the mic. But I've this guy's spoken English right in front of me. Um, so I know he speaks English and he speaks it very well, too. He's just a prideful individual. You know, I, I respect it. You know, even though I have my own opinions about it, even though I think that, like, we already look at him as a superstar, but he'd be an even bigger superstar if he was addressing the fans in English. But it is what it is. You know, he's he cares more about, you know, rep, repping his people. So I respect it. I respect it. So this dude, Jose Aldo, has got a 90% takedown defense. Now, it's easy to sit here and say someone's got 90% takedown defense when, like, you know, we got a two fight sample size or like, you know, or they've only had a couple takedowns attempted against them or, or whatever the case may be. We're dealing with a dude in Aldo with a sample size from 2008, 2008, because we don't have the, the 2004 sample size. We're talking about from his WEC debut against Alexandre Franca Noguera uh, in June 1st, 2008 at WEC 34 Faber versus Faber versus Pulver. Like, can you, you know how long ago that was, dude? We have a goddamn over 10-year sample size of this guy's takedown defense, and it's at 90%. He has some of the most legendary takedown defense in the entire sport. Not to mention, when he does get taken down, his get-up game is even more legendary, and it's been tested against real wrestlers. I mean, what are the credentials of Chad Mendes? D1, is, is it D1 national champ, D1 All-American? Let's see, let's see what happened when they fought real quick. So... Chad Mendez went one for eight on takedowns against Jose Aldo. And that, that's a D1 wrestler right there. Let's see what my boy Frankie Edgar went, who's also a former D1 wrestler. And I'm not talking about 40-year-old Frankie Edgar. I'm talking about, you know, Frankie Edgar, who was primed for a title shot. So hold on one second. Let me pull that up. All right. So because they fought twice. So the first time they fought was at UFC... 156. Frankie went two for eight. Excuse me. He went two for 11. Two for 11 on takedowns. And the two that he did get, uh, Aldo got right back up right away. The second time they fought, which was at UFC 200, Frankie Edgar went 0 for 11. So from two for 11 to 0 for 11, all in all, that's two for 22 on takedowns. This is a D1 wrestler we're talking about. This is a former. Uh, champion at lightweight, not 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 at featherweight, not a bantamweight, at lightweight. Okay, this is the guy that dethroned the great BJ Penn. This is the guy that took down the great BJ Penn, who also had legendary takedown defense. Jose Aldo was out there stuffing his takedowns. So here's the thing. Back to the re relentless wrestler talk. So someone gave me a lot of shit because y'all know how I like to talk about how these guys that can just attempt takedown after takedown after takedown, they don't get discouraged at the first you get stuffed. Uh, they'll just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. That discourages your opponent. So you know how I picked Ronnie Lawrence to be Saeed Yacoub, and someone was like, bro, you better stop that relentless wrestler talk. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I got the pick wrong, but how did the guy that won win the fight? 
uh, he won the fight via relentless wrestling. It was Saeed Yacoub that did a Ronnie Lawrence. What I thought Ronnie Lawrence was going to do to Saeed Yacoub. Nonstop takedown after takedown after takedown. So the reason I bring that up is because that's Marab's style. Marab might get these first nine takedowns stuffed, but what if he gets the 10th? Is Jose Aldo popping back up? Is Jose Aldo going to need a little breather? Is that uh, you know 4.2K feet above sea level, Salt Lake City elevation, going to start burning those lungs of Jose Aldo? That, that, that's what I'm kind of worried about. So five-round fight, I got Marav. Three-round fight is where things get interesting because first round, I think Jose Aldo is winning the first round. I think Jose Aldo wins the first round on, on a good clip against almost anyone on planet Earth in that weight class. I mean, he's so fast twitch. He's so explosive. The timing of his combinations. Maybe he hasn't been kicking as much as he used to, but when he does kick, he, he makes it fucking count. But, man, his hands have been getting a lot better. I think someone, correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't even been training with like either the like brazilian olympian boxing club or so, some boxing club in brazil has been really sharpening up his hands and then obviously he's still with his old camp at at uh nova and yeah i mean y'all know how i talked about how aldo is a very prideful individual he, this, okay yeah, yeah my boy skirt said navy boxing i appreciate that yeah so he's been he's been he's been training with the brazilian navy getting his boxing right his boxing's always been fucking good but he's taking it to a new level these last few fights um after that piotr yan fight I mean, we knew that something had to change if he wanted to be a champion in this division and goes out there against Marlon Chito Vera, wins the first round, loses the second round. It looks like, hey, Chito's about to do what Chito does in those third rounds. And wow, Jose Aldo, the only dude that's not getting fucking killed, the only dude that's not having his face rearranged by Marlon. And someone might say, well, Aldo just took his back. And I'm thinking to myself, is that not allowed in MMA? Like, can you not body triangle someone? Is that is that against the rules or something? I, I don't see what the issue is here. Like, we're not talking about like what is is the streets or something. Like, I mean, I don't see the issue with taking someone's back. If that's your path to victory, you take your path to victory. So, props to you, dude. <laughs> you beat the assassin, Marlon Vera. You avoided the damage against Marlon Vera. You beat. Uh, the, you beat the mythical creature third round Marlon Vera now if that was a five round fight again I got Cheeto in that five round fight but it wasn't and this isn't either Pedro Munoz look he looked amazing against Pedro but the Pedro fight is kind of irrelevant here Pedro is not going to attempt 20 takedowns and Pedro is kind of getting at the tail end of his career Pedro isn't anywhere near title discussion Pedro is not he doesn't have the the vigor and the, and the drive of a guy like Marab anymore. Back in the day, he did, but not anymore. And, and shout out to Pedro. I love me some Pedro Munoz. Just let's just be honest about where he's at in his career. And then Rob Font. While Rob Font's a very formidable challenge, and Jose beat the living shit out of Rob Font. Two knockdowns in that fight. Even got um, out outstruck in terms of the numbers, just like Cheeto did. But when it was his time to land his damage, I mean, he damaged Rob Font to a point that. Uh, Cheeto Vera just kind of put the icing on the cake there. Rob Font's another guy that's not going to attempt 20 takedowns in the fight. I mean, Rob Font went one for five on takedowns, and I'm sure the one he got, uh, Jose popped back up. But let's look at these takedown numbers on a guy like Marab. This is this is a little bit different. Marab against uh, Marlon Marais, which he got clipped in that fight. We'll talk about that in a sec. But first, let me make the takedown points. Four for four on takedowns. Ah, so the accuracy was getting a little bit better there. Against Cody Stammen, who was a credentialed wrestler, 5 for 11. Attempted 11 takedowns. Got five of them. Against a, against a good wrestler and Cody Stammen. Against John Dodson, who is a fast little fuck. 
he went two for 20 on takedowns. Now, while that might look like, well, he got 18 of them stuffed. The, oh, and also, let me just point this out. Some of those, some of those, I disagree with the stats counter, man. I thought he got more than two takedowns. I thought that they gave uh, uh, Dotson a little bit too much credit on his getups that they didn't count those as takedowns. But but let's let let let's agree with the stats for a sec, even though I disagree with them. I thought he got more than two takedowns. Let's say let's say for argument's sake that he did only get two of twenty takedowns. The fact that this dude attempted twenty takedowns. That's the kind of shit that's going to discourage you. That's the kind of shit that's going to make you gassed out. That's the kind of shit that's going to make you second guess yourself. That's the kind of shit that's going to, in this elevation, this Salt Lake City, those lungs are going to be burning. You're going to be like, and then when you finally do succumb that takedown, chances are you're not getting back up. So we just got to bring that up. So, and then, and then the fight before that against Gustavo Lopez, who's nowhere near the level of Jose Aldo, of course. <laughs> Marav goes 13 for 18 on takedowns. You, you, you guys get the point. This guy's attempting 18 to 20 takedowns on, on certain fights. Casey Kenny, another credentialed wrestler. Marab goes 12 for 24 on takedowns. Now, in Marab's current win streak, there's only two guys that are currently still in the UFC, Cody Stamen and Casey Kenny, who obviously couldn't even sniff Jose Aldo's jockstrap, but they're two formidable opponents, different matchups, and credentialed wrestlers, so they should be able to stuff on paper. Jose Aldo's got the legendary takedown defense. Jose Aldo's the fast twitch guy here, and I think first round, Jose Aldo's going to get off on, on Marab, and I think first round, Jose Aldo's going to stuff these takedowns. My question is, beginning of second round, I think Jose is going to have some more success. But towards the end of the second round, is that where Marab's finally going to break through, finally get one of those takedowns, get some top control, maybe get off on a little ground and pound and steal that round? Then the third round comes around. We're in Salt Lake City in that elevation. Jose Aldo did not do this camp in, in altitude. He does, he's not sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber. Is he going to come out huffing and puffing that third round? Is the third round the one where Marab finally starts to dominate and we get a very close decision? We get a split decision type fight where split decision type type fight, you'd rather be on the underdog, but it's tough. It's tough because Marab, like it doesn't look the prettiest and he's very vulnerable on the feet in terms of like you saw that last fight against uh, against Marlon Marais, like the dude's wild. The dude's there to be hit. The dude can be dropped, but the dude's got no quit. Um, you know how my boy Jamal Hill in the post-fight show said, I don't know how to quit. <laughs> I don't know how to give up. I just know how to dig deeper. You know how he said that so stern, so stoic? I feel like that applies to Marab. Marab doesn't know how to give up. Marab doesn't know how to quit. Marab just knows how to dig deeper. So five-round fight, I'm confidently picking Marab. Three-round fight, it's, it's, uh, it's like... Who's judging this fight? Is, is do we got Chris Lee, Sal Diamato? And this is assuming no one gets a finish because there might be a finish, right? But um, but I'm but I'm talking in terms of let's say no one gets a finish. Who's judging this fight? What do they favor more? First round I'm giving to Jose. Third round I'm giving to Marab. Who's gonna win that second round? I I think it's one of those kind of fights. So I don't know. I see this being that split decision type fight now. We can also talk about how, oh, Marlon Marais beat Jose and Marab beat Marlon and this and that. And it's like, pff, MMA math don't mean shit. Plus, if you watch the dynamic of those two fights, they were night and day. I mean, like, Jose in that second round was playing with Marlon Marais to the point where he got super cocky in that third round, almost took it off, and it cost him. 
that third round. That's all that was because a lot of people think that actually Jose won that fight against uh, against Marlon Moraes, but it was what it was. Whereas with Marlon and Marav, um, Marav was trying to stand and bang with <laughs> with Marlon Moraes. Like even though Marlon's washed up, he's still a dangerous guy. He can still give it, just can't take it. So Marav gets clipped. And some people say the fight should have been stopped. I disagree because look how it turned out. Um, Marab can recover. Marab's got heart. It's just Marab is there, it's definitely there to be hit. Now let's talk about the fights that Marab's lost in the UFC. Lost to Frankie Signs. Now I get it. He was sick that night. I'm still thinking to myself, dude, like, firstly, I thought Marab won that fight when I watched it live. But I'm still thinking to myself, I don't give a fuck if you're sick. You better beat this guy on your worst day. But that's not the one I want to talk about. The one I want to talk about is the Ricky Simone fight because there's this big misconception. Anyone that's been listening to me for a while, you guys already know what I'm about to say. So, yeah, hey, listen to my boy Michael here. He says, just joining now. How y'all doing Dan Wrong with only 20 likes? Yeah, there's like 80 plus of you in here, man. Do me a favor and smash that like button. Please hit it. And hit the subscribe if you're not already subscribed. I truly appreciate it. But, shit, I just got distracted from what I was saying. Um, where was I at again? Uh, someone, someone, uh, type in what I was just saying prior to addressing Michael's brilliant comment. Yeah. Matthew said Aldo needs, uh, to be in a, in a hyperbaric chamber, like, like DVZ. You know what I'm saying? Cause dude, like this look again, Salt Lake city is not Denver. It's not Mexico. So I don't expect the biggest drop-offs in cardio. It's just that when you're dealing with someone that pushes the kind of pace that Marab does, that's when, uh, Thank you, Skirt. That that's when you know these little things need to be addressed. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you, guys, for getting me back on track. So I was talking about Frankie Signs. I was talking about Ricky Simone. So Frankie Signs fight we addressed. Even like on your on your worst day, um, I think you should still be able to beat Frankie Signs at that point in your career. And honestly, I thought he did win that fight. But the fact that he was even in robbery territory was sketch. But whatever, it was his debut. He was sick. Give him a break. The Ricky Simone fight. There's a lot of misconceptions. Anybody that's been watching me for a long time knows exactly what I'm about to say here. People say that that was a bullshit stoppage. People say that Marab should have won the decision. This and that. Dude, watch that third round. Fuck the first two rounds. Watch that third round and pay attention to what happens. Slow it down. Put it on slow-mo if you have to. Marab knocks himself out on a takedown attempt. He literally goes head first into the canvas. He goes completely limp. From there, Ricky Simone sweeps him, gets on top, and then he attacked the choke. So y'all need to, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, press the pause button right now. Go to Fight Pass and pull up that fight. Uh, Marab versus Ricky. And, and only start it in the third round. Let's not even worry about these first two rounds. Start it in the third round. And I know I'm right on this. Marab knocked himself out with a takedown attempt, meaning he went head first into the mat and he went limp. That is why Ricky Simone was able to sweep him so effortlessly and get on top. That's now that's one controversy. The second controversy was, was he really out from the choke? Now I got my own opinion on that. I think he was out from the choke. I mean, I've seen guys get choked unconscious, but they're still like, moving around and fidgeting like have you ever had a snake on your driveway and you killed it you even chopped his heads off it, it, its head off but the body's still moving around like that doesn't mean it's not dead <laughs> you don't understand what i'm saying marab was out as far as i'm concerned and then the end of the fight when they try to get him back up and 
and he falls back. Like I think that's evidence. So to me, the Ricky Simone fight was not controversial. You can say the Frankie Signs fight was controversial, but I don't think the Ricky Simone fight was. And I will go to the grave with that opinion. And I and I think it's right there on tape. If we watch it together, we will see Marab knock himself out with that takedown attempt, get swept. And then I guess the part we can debate is was he out or not from the choke? Bottom line. He can make some bonehead mistakes, too. I mean, you saw that video of him jumping head first into that fucking ice patch, like, yeah, giving himself a concussion. So back to this fight. Look, Jose is going to look great early. Jose always looks great early. It's just, is he able to maintain this into the late second round, into the third round, where we know a guy like Marab, the machine, the name is very fitting, can push that pace over and over. We know a guy like Marab can attempt 22 takedowns in a fight. Like, when you can attempt 22 takedowns in a fight, you don't got to get all 22 of them. But making someone work constantly over and over and over, that's tiring. That that's mentally draining, not just physically. And in this altitude, this elevation, man, Jose is going to be huffing and puffing. Now, five round fight, like I said, I confidently got Marab in five rounds, but three rounds, it's tough. Like I could see Aldo winning a split decision here. I can also see Marab winning a split decision, depending on who the ref is. I can all I can see a draw where Jose wins the first two rounds but he's spent third round. Marav gets on top of him, puts the pounding on him, gets that 10, eight in that third round. So yeah, this is the toughest fight for me to call on the entire card. So many variables, the elevation, who's judging this fight. Um, how, how many takedowns get stuffed until Marav finally gets one. And when he finally gets one, does he te- does he keep top control? Does Jose just pop back up? And what kind of damage are we dealing with? Uh, on the feet what kind of damage is jose gonna dish out to aldo on the feet and to take it a step further like let's not act like uh marab um let's not act like marab can't crack either like i know the technique ain't the prettiest but but the dude uh goes at people wildly and he's he's aiming for your chin so um someone said who did i bet on to win the chain i uh i don't remember i think i I just I bought it for myself. Um, GLD shop. That's where that's where I got it. I don't remember. It's been a while, but yeah, I like it a lot, and it's a lot shinier in person. My camera doesn't doesn't do it justice. But anyways, I'm gonna go with Marab Dewalishwili to win a hard fought split decision that could go either way. Um, so I guess you can make an argument there's value on Aldo dog money split decision. You know, I get it, and and again. It's a five-round fight, then I definitely got Marab. Three-round fight, I have a little bit of hesitancy. Um, I mean, Aldo's such a great man. Aldo's such an enigma. Aldo's such a special athlete to still be to still be in the top three over a decade later, to still be in the top three when you've been competing for nearly two decades. You tip your cap to that kind of stuff, man. Hall of Famer. I, you know, you guys just know, like my style, I usually tend to favor the new generation if they're ready. And I think he is ready. Look, this is a step up in competition. None of the guys he's fought have been on the level of Aldo. But let's see. Let's see. Skur says he thinks Aldo's going to get him out of there. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, you can never count out a legend like Jose Aldo. You just can't. Right when you think he's done, he surprises you. And he surprised me many times. The guy is one of the all time greats. So. It would not surprise me one bit to see an Aldo win here. Like, 
You know, I have a signed fucking picture of Jose Aldo on my wall with his WEC belt. Like, you understand? I'm an Aldo fanboy. I love me some Jose Aldo. But my gut is telling me Marab wins a split decision here by pushing the pace late second round and then dominating the third round. So let's see. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm okay being wrong on this one. Now, I think I covered mostly everything there was to say on that fight. But if not, we'll come back to it. But, uh, yeah, I heard they moved around the, the card a little bit and put Lucy Pudalova versus Yana and Wu next. But you know what? I know let, let me, from a show of hands, would you all rather hear me talk about Alexander Romana versus Tybura next or Yana and Wu versus Lucy Pudalova? Y'all don't got to say shit because I know what y'all want to hear next. Because next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Marcin Tabura. He's 22-7, and seven, representing Poland, taking on Alexander King Kong Romanov, who's 16-0, representing Moldova. So <laughs> someone typed in Pudalova. Hey, I love me some Pudalova. But. So currently they got it. Alexander Romanov minus 360. The comeback on Marcin Tibura is plus 305. So I guess the big talking point in this fight is, is the betting line. Of course, a lot of people are questioning, you know, is there is there a lot of uh, value here on, on Tibura, this and that? And, you know, why is why is Romanov favored to the extent that he is? And, and this and that. And I, I think they're valid questions for sure. So let's pull up some numbers here. So Alexander Romanov, it's only five years younger, southpaw. And what I like about Romanov, relentless wrestler for the heavyweight division, man. I mean, this is another one of these guys that, look, maybe he's not going to attempt 22 takedowns like a guy like Marab, but for heavyweight standards, uh, th this guy can do can go takedown after takedown after takedown. Now, a lot of people want to point the Juan Espino fight, which I think is a perfectly valid fight to point to. I mean, the one time that Alexander Romanov truly got tested, it got sketchy. Some even made the argument that he looked for a way out. Some even think that he was on his way to losing that fight. So you all have valid points there. Um, it's just that I think Juan Espino is a more credentialed wrestler than Marcin Tybura. Now, Oh, don't get it twisted. Marcin Tybura is the most experienced UFC fighter that Alexander Romanov's ever fought. 100%. Not going to get an argument from me there. And I think that Tybura is a very formidable opponent. I think that this is the proper next step up the ladder to see if Romanov is truly this prospect that people think he is. And, and even in a loss in that fight against Volkov, I thought Tybura had a good showing. And prior to that, you guys got to remember, there was a time when Tybura had lost three of his last four fights by knockout to Derek Lewis, to Shamil Abdurakimov, to Augusto Sakai, even had a sketchy moment in that Stefan Sru fight that he won in between there. But he went on that five-fight win streak. You know, he gave Sergei Spivak the vet lesson. I hear a lot of shows using my term vet lesson, but if y'all date back to the early days I have to battle, y'all know who came up with that. Went out there, beat Maxine Grishin, beat Ben Rothwell, destroyed Walt Harris and Greg Hardy. When he, when he got them when he got them down so here with romanov here's the thing so after the espino fight look i understand the level of competition after the espino fight was subpar i mean he beat jared vandera and chase sherman and quite honestly he could have not even been in shape and beat those two guys but one thing i want to point to is after the espino fight he's looked significantly leaner it looked like that fight kind of he was like okay 
I got away with one and now we got to address certain things and kick into second gear and really take this seriously because I think coming into the UFC with that undefeated record, you know, I'm, I'm King Kong Romanov. No one can stop my Moldovan wrestling. I think he just thought he was just going to run through everybody. It was going to be this big joke. And he had to get humbled a little bit. Look, no one is exempt from that first L, even though on paper it wasn't an L. Unless your name is John Jones or Habib. But if they stick around long enough, they'll lose too. Um, even my boy Jamal Hill had to take his first L. Even though he didn't tap, he got his arm snapped. He was fucking punching him with his broken arm. But even he had to take his first L. Look where he's at now. So... While Romanov on paper won that fight, regardless, that was a turning point type fight where it's like you had to make some adjustments if you want to hang with the upper echelon. Now, the next two fights, I get it. The competition wasn't the best. Vandera, Sherman, like you handled them accordingly for sure. But we have to give Romanov credit for how much significantly leaner he looked in those fights. It looked like, you know, he's starting to take things seriously now. It looks like he's starting to get his shit together a little bit. I believe he's only, how old is he, like 28, 29? So he's still not even 30 yet, which is not a big deal because I've seen dudes at heavyweight win the belt 38 to 40, right? So he's a young heavyweight. So, I mean, it's one of these things where I think Romanov's a much better athlete than Tybura just in terms of the fast twitch, in terms of the explosiveness. And I do see him getting takedowns on Tybura. You know, I know it's been a while since we've seen Tybura getting taken down and I mean, it truly has been. I think it's been since, what, the Derek Lewis fight? Derek Lewis took him down, and Fabricio Vacavallo took him down. Luis Henrique took him down three times. But listen, um, who said he's 32? Romanov is 32? Oh, okay. Still young as fuck for a heavyweight. But I appreciate you pointing that out. I don't know why I thought he was 28. Um, is that true? Is he 32? He's 31. But it's all good. Still, That's still relatively young for for a heavyweight. How old is that uh, Tybura? He's not. He's not that. He's not that much older, right? Oh shit, he is that much older. He's thirty six. Um, okay, so anyways, the age is irrelevant here. I was just trying to make a point that Romanov's a little bit of a younger heavyweight, and he still is at thirty one. Uh, I kind of look. I get it. I get why people want to take Tybura here. The line. Look, there's no value on the line on, on Romanov. I agree. I'm just not gonna be parlaying Romanov. Not looking to play him at minus four hundred. Um, it's just, I kind of just see this being a good matchup for him. I kind of, I know people's argument. If this goes past the first round, Tybura is going to take over. And it's not, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm really not convinced. Maybe, maybe by the time it goes to the third round, this and that, <laughs> my boy, Dan Goldstein said 31 Moldovan years is 26. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, someone says someone didn't do research. Listen, I researched the important things like how they fight. Yeah. But, okay. But I'll give you that. I was two years wrong about his age. My bad, bro. But uh, settle down, young man. So, look, I just think that Romanov is a much better athlete. I think he's a lot more explosive. I think he will get the takedowns. That's a big talking point for a lot of people. Will he or will he not? I think he will get the takedowns in this spot. Um, And I think that he's going to be able to grind out a guy like uh, Tybora. Look, I respect Tybora. I think that on the feet is very methodical. I think that he's been rounding on his game. I think that he's overcome a lot. There was a point where we were thinking Tybora might need to hang it up, you know, when he got knocked out for three three out of four fights. And, you know, he came back, went on that big win streak, even looking at his last loss. Like I said, methodical on the feet. I've seen him get head kick knockouts too. And when he gets on top, he's pretty heavy on top. He's grounded and pounding his, you know, his last two wins. So got to give him credit there. I just think that, again, Romanov's a different kind of athlete. I think that this is the right step at the right time for Romanov. And while 
while I'm not in a rush to play a line like this, I don't think there's much value on the line. I, I think that Romanov probably at least wins two of these rounds if he doesn't find a finish along the way. So I'm going to go with Romanov to grind this one out. And I, I think Tybor will be back for sure. But again, I just really respect the fact that after that super sketchy fight he had with Espino, again, yeah, I, I get it. Someone said, am I posting the link again today? Yes, I am. But let me finish the breakdowns. After the Espino fight, which was a super sketchy fight, which was a turning point, was a learning lesson, you know, all of the above. The dude got in much better shape after that. And now he gets to test it against serious competition. But I think this is a test he can pass. There will be a time to fade Romanov. And maybe some of y'all on Tybur are right. Maybe. Uh, I, I personally don't think so. So I'm going to go Alexander Romanov to uh, just sh- keep keep showing off that superior uh, wrestling, man. I think he will land takedowns on Tybur. I think he will be able to hold him down at times and at least win two rounds and not get a finish here. So give me Alexander Romanov. Now kicking off the main card. This is the one, this is the one we've all been waiting for. So light heavyweight division. We got Tyson Pedro. He's eight and three representing the land down under taking on the future double champ the reason that johnny jones yuri prohaska and francis and who haven't tweeted at all this week harry hunsucker seven and five and currently they got it tyson pedro minus 800 minus 850 the comeback on harry hunsucker is plus 500 plus 525 I've been having a lot of fun with this, uh, with the last ever Harry Hunsucker uh, fight week. I mean, look, Harry. People were complaining about the price of the pay per view. I mean, I think the I, I think it's worth uh, the price with Hunsucker alone. You know what I mean? I mean, have y'all have y'all seen John Jones tweet at all this week? Is it a coincidence that John Jones went up to heavyweight now that uh, Hunsucker dropped the light heavyweight? I think not. Is it a coincidence that Francis Ngannou has been sitting out as long as he has now that Harry Hunsucker's in the picture? So, no, but I mean, listen, when you got a name like Harry Hunsucker, we're, we're going to have fun with it, and I'm sure that he's hasn't heard the end of it since day one. So, you know, we're just beating a horse at this point. Um, I mean, Tyson Pedro's going to finish him in the first round. So it is what it is. We can talk about how he already had Justin Taffa tied to Ivasa. Now they're going to complete the 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 down under trifecta with Tyson Pedra to to run the train on this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? To put it lightly, uh, man, I feel bad laughing, but yeah, you know the under set at one point five rounds is like minus four fifty. Should it be set at under one point five minutes? You you understand what I'm saying? Um, yeah, listen, I'm not sold on Tyson Pedro at all. I've said that for a long time. I think I think Tyson Pedro will get exposed, just not by Ty, just 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 not by Harry Hunsucker. So, you know, shout out to my boy Hunsucker. All his fights have been entertaining, and <laughs> Dan Goldstein said Parker Porter have been real quiet this week. You know, they 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 know uh they know Harry they know Lord Hunsucker's fighting man. So you know, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think the line's probably appropriate, so it, it is what it is, man. Um, <laughs> he said, I never find those Harry Hunsucker uh, fighter jokes funny. It's okay, man. You're, you don't have to find everything funny. 
I find it funny though. His name's fucking Huntsucker. His name's Harry Huntsucker. It is funny. Oh shit. Oh shit. Andy said plot twist. Dana gives Harry another shot at redemption. Here it is. Sam Alvey, Harry Huntsucker. Shit. Huntsucker might get back on track, huh? Yeah. So Tyson Pedro, first round finish. Now, I think it's the main event of the prelims, but next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Jared Flash Gordon. He's 18 and 5, taking on Leo Santos, who's also 18 and 5. And currently, they got it. Jared Gordon, minus 290. The comeback on uh, Leo Santos is plus 250. A couple of years ago, dude. We're max betting that Leo Santos line, like 100%. I mean, Jared Gordon, minus 360, or my, my, wait, minus 360 or minus 260? Shit. Some spots is fucking minus 370. God damn, man. Listen, I respect Jared Gordon. He's a friend of Bilal's. If you're a friend of Bilal's, you're a friend of mine. But take all that shit aside. I respect a lot about Jared Gordon. I think he's got an amazing story. He's overcome a lot in his life. And he's not the most athletic guy, and he makes up for it in other ways by pushing a ridiculous pace sometimes. But Jared Gordon is not a minus 360 type guy. This is all, like, based on the fact that, you know, Leo Santos, my boy's 42 years old, and he seems like he's only got a one round of gas left in the tank. But in that first round, Leo's dangerous. Back in the day, Leo used to be able to last the whole fight. Here, he's probably only got one round of gas. But then again, when you really look at it, like, Leo, these last few fights, he's been gassing badly. Like, the Bogota fight, the Clay Guida fight. Um, What was the other one? Where he had, like, a huge first round, and then he's, like, almost like finishing these guys so it's kind of like he's blowing his load type thing and that could happen here he could get carried away he could drop gordon get carried away trying to go for the finish and then not have much left but if leo can pace himself leo's better than jared gordon period um i think he's better everywhere it's just he's 42 he's a dude that was never getting finished. I mean, he was getting finished back in like what oh two by Gomi or something. But I'm saying like hadn't been finished in decades, and now he's like getting finished and brutally in back to back fights. He would have never been caught dead getting submitted by Clay Guida a couple of years back. Now shout out to Guida. Guida's got wins over RDA, Nate Diaz, Pettis, lots of lots of people. So another one to add to the legends reel. But yeah, it's just kind of alarming. But I do think Leo can hurt jared gordon in this fight it's just when he does hurt when he does hurt him when he does hurt him is he gonna finish him or is he gonna blow his load and then jared gordon's gonna put the uh, push the pace on him so that's what it comes down to i don't know someone called me the king rambler hey i appreciate you being here man we got we gotta address all these scenarios but at least uh at least I, i'm making bets when i make them and tracking them and doing the whole bit and not not you know not picking both sides. I'll pick a side. But this one, I don't know. This one, I don't know. Because it's like a line like that. A line like that. It's a dog or pass situation. Uh, yeah, so 
I think Santos is live early on. It's just, but I say early on, but let's 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 put some context into it. I saw Jared Gordon get finished in that third round against Joaquin Silva. I saw Jared Gordon get finished that last fight against Grant Dawson. Leo also did too. So it's not like Jared Gordon's exempt from getting finished late down the stretch either. Where they're at, I lean Jared Gordon for a pick. But if I were to bet this this uh this fight, I would take Leo Santos. So yeah. Bets and picks are different things. But I'm I'm gonna post uh the link in here. So uh hold on one second. <laughs> y'all wanna y'all wanna see us go uh side by side. Hey. Oh, listen, the rest of y'all don't click this link until after the show. But MMA investing. Click the link. Go side by side with me. Let's uh, let's hear let's hear you talk about some of these fights. The link's in the chat, buddy. Come join me. Let's see what you got, buddy. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Lucy Pudalova. She's thirteen and seven, representing the Czech Republic. She's taking on Yana and Wu, who is thirteen and five. And currently, they got it. If I'm looking at this correctly, they got it. Lucy Pudalova minus one twenty. The comeback on Yana and Wu is plus one hundred. So I was impressed with Lucy Putalova in her original UFC run. Like early on, man, I thought that she was super aggressive. I thought that she even got robbed in a few of those fights, like the Lena Landsberg fight. I thought that that should have gone her way. And then she had that amazing war with Irena Aldana where it was fight of the night. And it seemed like she probably had a lot of momentum after that fight. Like they put on a true show. But I'm starting to think that maybe she took just a lot of damage there and wasn't able to recover the same. And as a result, you know, just went on a big skid and just didn't look the same after. Y'all notice MMA investing got real quiet when I posted that link. <laughs> that, that's how it always goes, right? But hey, the link's there, buddy. Come join me. Come join me. Come break down this Lucy Putalova and Yana and Wu fight with me. Come on, man. But Lucy Putalova, she's still young. Let's look up her age real quick. Only 28, still in her 20s. And she's gone back to the regional scene and paid her dues. Got some wins, even had a loss against the UFC vet. But I think she's got her confidence back, and now she's ready to come back into the UFC, especially with Czech fighters emerging. I mean, you got a Czech uh, champion and Yuri Prohaska. So I think this was the right time to bring back Lucy Putalova. And with the Anna and Wu, I just haven't quite seen those improvements, man, like ever. And plus, when you lose to Gina Mazzani, that's all I need to know. That's literally all I need to know. To know that, no offense, you don't quite belong in the UFC. You know, and can she bang a little bit? Yes. Can she maybe hit a takedown or two? Yes. But can she win a fight? I don't quite think so. So I'm going to go Lucy Putalova. Just be meaner. Just be tougher. Just out strike or just put the numbers up on uh on yana and Wu and come out here make a successful ufc return and uh and get back on track my boy mario said damn another hater went running i know man what a shocker mario i've been thinking about that conversation we had the other night with with our boys man that shit's had me rolling has had me dying laughing ever since man we'll talk about that later but uh yeah i got lucy poodle over there now Next up in the featherweight division, we had a matchup between Sean Woodson. He's nine and one, taking on Luis Saldana, who is sixteen and seven. I'm really excited to talk about this one. 
Currently, they got it. Sean Woodson, minus 345. The comeback on Luis Saldana is plus 285. Very good. Very, very, very good fight. Okay, so lots to talk about here. A lot of people are saying, why is Sean Woodson this big of a favorite, this and that? Okay, but uh, here's why. So first, let's talk about this. Sean Woodson is a matchup problem for a lot of people because he's got these big physical advantages. I mean, when's the last time you saw a dude in this division with these physical attributes? So this dude is a six foot two, one forty five er with a seventy eight inch reach. Like, I mean, like usually six two, seventy eight inch reach. That's like a two hundred five. This guy's a featherweight. Now, to his opponent Luis Saldana's credit, he 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 ain't no short stocky dude. This guy, he, he's he's pretty tall himself. I believe he's right up there, close to six feet tall. Much shorter reach, however, got a five inch reach disadvantage, but. He's one of the taller guys that, that Woodson's fought lately. Maybe not as tall as Erosa, but let me give Erosa some credit. Erosa is one of those guys that, like, although Erosa has been knocked out a lot, Erosa's been getting some good wins lately, man. Erosa beat Nate Landwehr. Uh, early stoppage or not, he beat Nate Landwehr. He beat Charlotte Jordan. He beat Sean Woodson. So, like, Julian Arosa from time to time will will surprise you. But anyways, back to this matchup. So Sean Woodson is a uh, a stylistic problem, a, a matchup problem for a lot of people with his physical attributes. Six foot two with that seventy eight inch reach, and he knows how to use it. Now Luis Saldana is also another long guy, not quite as long as uh as Sean Woodson. But here's the thing. Here, here here's the thing I want to address. Here's a fight where I have to bring up Salt Lake City elevation, dude, because. In a lot of these Luis Saldana fights, he'll be looking like amazing in the first round, maybe even first round and a half. And he will just have these cardio dumps. And like the first UFC fight, you could have blamed it on that adrenaline dump from making you know UFC jitters, whatever. But when it happens over and over again, and now we're in elevation, man. <laughs> like my boy is gonna need an oxygen mask in that third round. And I, I think that by the time this goes to um <laughs> he said lose the fake chain and the douchebag outfit you got a, a diamond tester on you uh goron hey come bring me that diamond tester and let's see how fake it really is but uh whoa what was that y'all y'all hear that but anyways uh goron bring me that diamond tester let me know how fake it really is and douchebag outfit man trey young come on dog world champion braves i know y'all te- i know y'all's teams ain't doing shit like that but goron the link is right there for you. Just tell me what you said side by side. I, w- I want to hear it come from the man himself. Let me hear it from the horse's mouth. But back to Sean Woodson and Luis Saldana. Um, so I think that's going to be competitive in that first round, maybe even that first round and a half. Uh, but past that, not only does Luis Saldana have these cardio dumps in his sea level fights but here in elevation that's where i really think it's going to happen and that's where i really think that sean woodson is going to pull away down the stretch i think this kid's been paying his dues i think that he is a very talented guy i think he's been in there with some formidable competition knocked out terrence mckinney um beat zalal destroyed the angling kid so let's do it he's he's he said buddy you don't want me to come in i'll end your channel dude look the link is right here i do want you to come in Please, please end my channel. Come on, man. And and he said, 
Yeah, sure. I'll take a flight over to Georgia to test your chain. Come do it, man. But anyways, Goron, we're getting close, man. Come end my channel, buddy. Please show me what you got. The link is right there. The fans want to see it. Let's give the fans what they want. You said I'm making a mistake, Daniela. Oh, <laughs> I haven't heard of that one before. Come on. Get in here, buddy. Come on. Please. But if not, I got Sean Woodson to win this fight. And uh, I am going to move on to the next one. But the link's right there. Come on, Goran. End my channel, bro. Please. Show me your diamond tester while you're at it. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a, a rematch, actually, between Miranda Maverick, who's 10-4, and four, taking on Shanna Young, who's 8-4. and four. Currently, they got it. Miranda Maverick, um, shit, minus 650. The comeback on on Shanna Young is plus 475. Holy shit. Hold on, hold on. Goran, he, he showed up for a sec, but he didn't show up with his face. He showed up with with uh, the the no user um, picture, and then he left. Hey, come back. Come back, Goran, but come back with your face. We ain't doing no fake profile shit, bro. If we're going to go face-to-face, -face, I got I got to see your outfit. You're talking about my outfit. I got to see your outfit, too. So let's go, Goran. I'm right here waiting for you. But uh, Miranda choked out Shanna Young in the first round, the first time they fought in 2019. So that's the reason that she's lying where she's at. Not to mention she's fought the better competition, whether she's won or lost. She's been in there with a the better competition. She's more well-rounded. The thing with Shanna Young is that, you know, she's still paying her due. She's still, I believe she's still pretty young. So whoever called me out about the ages, you've been doing, you've been doing pretty well because I gotta look up the ages. That's one thing I gotta look up. Yeah, so Shanna's 31, entering her prime. Now, if y'all go on on Instagram and y'all look at Shanna Young, the picture she's been she's been posting, she's in ridiculous shape. I even saw some uh, some bumps on that stomach. I'm not throwing out any accusations or any speculations. I'm just showing what I saw. Maybe it was a pimple. Maybe it was some acne, but I'm just saying she had them bumps on that stomach and she looked in the best shape of her life. So. I know that win, lose, or draw, Shanna Young's going to show up here, and there's probably no line in, in Miranda Maverick at minus 700. But, 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 but bottom line, there's a reason this line is where it's at, and the reason is is because Miranda Maverick has already fought this girl. She finished her in the first round. Yeah, there's pressure to beat someone. How, how are you going to beat them more impressively this time, right? And all that talk, but I think she's levels ahead. It's just Shanna Young. This is like this is a huge fight for her. She's a big underdog here. So let's see it. Gor so Goron's here, but he doesn't have his, his face showing. He's got the, the fake profile pic. Dude, you ain't coming here without the, without showing your face. So and I, I'll show the fans that just so they know I'm not lying. Look, you see that? You see that shit? Like, we ain't doing that shit. Whoa. Oh my God. You that bro, that was weak. That was weak as fuck. That's funny though. And hey, whatever you're into, man, if that's the shit you're into, like I got nothing against it at all. Who sent me a message in the private chat? He said computer doesn't allow face cam. Yeah, okay, buddy. Okay, bro. But uh hopefully that doesn't get me. Oh, I see. Oh, it now it makes sense. That's why he said he was gonna get my channel banned. It wasn't because he was about to own me, it's because he was about to show him sucking some other dude off. Now I know why you said that my channel was going to get canceled. I thought he was going to verbally own me or something. Nah, dude, that's not what happened. This guy was posting him sucking another man, which again, dude, 
you got every right to do that. I, I support your rights, buddy. But uh, don't be bringing that shit around here, man, in terms of like my channel. Like, you know, to go, go. Uh, I did not consent. <laughs> you know, I, I did not sign the agreement, pussy. So, uh, yeah, I got Miranda Maverick to win this one again. And, and I apologize to all the fans that you had to see that. You know, that was not cool. Like, I thought that at least this guy would give me a spirited debate. I thought that at least this guy would have the balls to go face-to-face. Well, he did show his face sucking off another man, but I thought he'd have the, the, the balls to go face-to-face and, like, actually, like, talk that shit to me. Tell me how fake my chain is. Tell me how douchebag my outfit is. Tell me how much my picks suck. And, you know, do the whole bit. Like, let's have some fun. Like, Go like, you know, this and that, but to show off you sucking off another man as your as what you wanted to show the fans, bro, that's weak as fuck, man. That that is very weak. So to the fans, I uh, I owe you guys an apology for even giving this clown a chance. So sorry about that, guys. And to all the kids watching, hopefully there's no kids watching because this is a gambling show. So you must be 18 or over. I apologize, guys. Um, so yeah, fuck that guy. But if he wants to actually show his face while he's not performing fellatio on another man he's more than welcome to come in here and uh and tell me uh about my douchebag outfit now next up in the welterweight division <laughs> someone said is goron jordan levitt oh man y'all are killing me man y'all are killing me aj fletcher he's nine and one taking on angelusa who's eight and three and currently they got it so a little, a little bit of action here coming down aj fletcher he's minus 160 the comeback on Angelusa is plus 140. This is an interesting fight for a few reasons. So um AJ Fletcher, he had a pretty good uh he had a pretty good UFC debut despite the loss. I thought he had a very competitive fight with um with Matthew Semmelsberger. Definitely a war there. Uh just you know, just made a couple uh a rookie mistakes there. And, and it was what it was. But this is a little bit different because one fundamental difference, even though I would pick Semmelsberger to also be Angelusa, stylistically it's different. Reason being is that Angelusa's got better takedown defense than uh, than Matthew Semmelsberger. Like, that's the one weakness in Semmelsberger's game. I mean, he does get hit a lot, but the biggest weakness is his takedown defense. Angelusa's got 100% takedown defense. And Angelusa's got a decent ground game. I mean, you watch that fight he had against um, Jack De La Madalena. And first round was able to get on top and had like a secured um, uh, arm triangle choke in that fight. And props to Madalena, the kind of heart, the kind of composure he has to survive that and come back and win that fight. A credit to him. But the fact that, you know, Angelusa even got him in that danger, like that shows that like against lesser competition, he might have some good moments. And then on uh, on his next fight against Munir Lazez, you know, Munir and uh, Angelusa, they kind of stood and banged for three straight rounds, but Munir was kind of the longer guy there. Munir, I think Munir's a very talented guy. I know he pulled a stun against Worley Alves, but Munir's a very talented guy. And I just think Munir's kind of a step above both AJ Fletcher and Angelusa. And I just think, you know, I think that this is a fight that, like, this is the level Angelusa is on where he can actually come out here and compete against a guy like AJ Fletcher. Not to mention, he's got a seven-inch reach advantage in this fight, whereas, like, that wasn't the case against Madalena. That w- that definitely wasn't the case against uh, Munir. Munir is, like, fucking six foot two. You know what I'm saying? Munir is a long, long, rangy striker. AJ Fletcher is kind of like a short, stocky, compact, powerful guy. 
And that's exactly what Angelusa is. So I see this as being an explosive, close three-round fight. Now, either guy could get a finish. I think AJ Fletcher is super green. Look, I respect exactly where he trains. You know, he trains at the at Dustin Poirier's old gym. Um, what are they called? Is it Gladiators? Um, in, in Louisiana, like where, you know, Tim Crater is the first black belt from like uh from Louisiana and this and that. And you know, much respect uh, to Tim Crater. You know, he's, he had some wars in the UFC. Check out Tim Crater's fight against uh, Nate Quarry. Amazing, amazing fight. If you guys want to see dudes just get dropped left and right and just see an all-out war. Um, but uh, so Tim Crater is the guy that, you know, I believe he gave Dustin Poirier his black belt. Tim Crater is also the mentor of AJ Fletcher. So he's under good hands. I just think he's kind of green right now. I just think that he's kind of still developing his game. He's got potential. He's a tough kid. He's He's physical. He's explosive. You'll throw some fancy stuff, the flying knee knockout on contenders, some hook kicks, you know, you'll mix in takedowns. I think it's going to be kind of hard to take down a guy like Angelusa. I think. I might be wrong. I think it's going to be harder to take down Angelusa. And I think that Angelusa can match him on physicality. And he's got this seven-inch reach advantage. And finally, he's not dealing with someone who's so much more technically superior to him like uh like a jack de la madalena or like a munir lazes so i think there's a more evenly matched fight so for that reason i think it's a dog or pass situation if anything i'd take a one unit shot on angelusa and see what happens but i, I expect it to be a competitive fight while it lasts now next up in the flyweight division we got a matchup between amir albazi he's 14 and one taking on francisco figueredo who's 13 and four and currently, they got a uh, Amir Albazi minus five hundred. Holy shit! The comeback on Francisco Figueroa's plus three eighty five. Look, 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 look. Minus five hundred. I think Amir Albazi is a fantastic prospect. Um, I've been very impressed with his two UFC fights. You know the way he destroyed Malcolm Gordon, absolutely destroyed him. And but the next fight, let me let me check what the scorecards were on that Albazi Zumagulov fight. Was it a, a clean sweep or was it a? Let's see. Scorecards on Albazi and. Uh... Yeah, so Zumagulov actually won the first round on all three judges' scorecards, and then uh, Albazi unanimously unanimously won the second and third. So basically. Like, I think Albazi is a very talented prospect. No no questions asked. And I think that he belongs in the top 10. It's just, we're, he's kind of been out for over a year. And a guy that age, he's a young kid as far as I'm concerned. You know, only 28. Like, what kind of injuries has he been dealing with? Like, what, like, what, has he had a knee injury? Like, what's the, what's the deal been? And Francisco, yeah, Francisco, Francisco might not be his brother, obviously. But I don't think Francisco is that bad. I mean, I think that... Look, he did have a he, he didn't finish Jerome Rivera or Malcolm Gore, which <laughs> which is a red flag. You should be finishing guys like that. Um, but even like the Malcolm Gore fight just came down to like a last minute bad decision, right? Like he's on top of the guy in full mount, and then he, he decides to drop back for a leg lock and gives up position, loses the fight by decision. You know, you correct that mistake, you can win that fight. But you take it a step further, you see his next fight where he actually does win via knee bar, and you're like, well, well, what if he got the knee bar? So, you know, you're playing with fire. It's a 50-50 game when you're dropping back for those leg locks. Um, 
So I kind of, again, I see it being competitive early on, but I think that Albazi probably pulls away down the stretch. This is one of those fights where that elevation might come into play in the second and third round. You could see Francisco start to fatigue. But I don't think Francisco is that bad. Look, he's not his brother, but you don't have to be your brother to beat Albazi. I, I, I just think that it's more so a thing where the decision-making needs to be better on Francisco's part. Like, if you got full mount, like, let's maintain that position. Let's pound the guy out. Let's not give up position and go for a leg lock, right? If if you're in guard and you're rolling for leg lock, lo, leg locks, okay, that's a different story. But from full mount, let's not give up full mount, dude. Let's not do shit like that. So if he can learn from those mistakes, I think he can be competitive in a lot of fights, including this one. It's just, can I count on him when they're both tired to for him not to do something stupid? I'm not sure. Um but I do think that at times this fight will be closer than the line indicates. Like, I, like when you look at a line, like what it what it's at right now, and what's it at right now? It is uh, what minus five hundred. When I have a minus five hundred, I'm expecting a first round finish. I'm expecting an absolute destruction. I'm expecting pillar to post ass whooping, and I just don't see that being the case. Like, yes, do I lean Albazi? Yeah, I do. But minus five hundred, I, I need some assurances. I need like this dude to come out here and destroy someone and he might do it down the stretch but i think the early going is going to be competitive so for that reason it's actually a dog or pass situation pure pick i'll go albazi but i ain't betting minus 500 on him here because I, I just don't think he's going to just run through him but maybe he proves me wrong now next up in the bantamweight division we got a matchup between the mongolian murder garichi lang he's 23 and 9 He's the Mongolian murderer, but he's representing China. He's taking on Jay Perrin, who is 10 and 5. Currently, they got it. Hold on one second. Currently, they got it. Arichi Lang, minus 145. The comeback on Jay Perrin is plus 130. So this actually opened minus 300, Arichi Lang. So... You know, literally all the action's been coming in on uh, on Jay Perrin. And here's my thing with Jay Perrin. Like, there's not much I can knock. I, just, I think he's kind of just solid everywhere, but just not special anywhere. I think he's just a solid run-of-the-mill MMA fighter. Can kind of just do everything, but isn't going to overly wow you, isn't going to overly impress you, isn't going to blow you away with anything. He kind of just does everything correctly kind of goes about his business, does things the right way, and I respect it. He seems pretty hungry for this fight. With Arichi Lang, he does bring some intangibles to the table. This dude is a very, very heavy hitter. I mean, you saw that Molina fight, dropped him badly in that third round. The Cody Durden fight landed some big shots in that fight. And then the next one, when he got a step down in competition, he treated him like a step down in competition. And I'm shocked that this dude was able to make flyweight for so many years. Like, he was a big boy for flyweight. Now he's moving up to uh, the bantamweight. So I think it's a good move for him. So it's tough because it's like you don't often want to lay chalk on Arichi Lang because the blueprint's been established on how to beat him. You know, you can out-volume him like Jeff Molina did. You can out-grapple him like Cody Durden did. It's just there's the intangibles you got to be worried about, and that's that this dude, he's he's got that one hitter quitter. He this dude can crack. He's a big boy. He's he's been in there with better competition than Jay Perrin for the most part. I mean, I guess you could say Mario Bautista is pretty solid competition, 
Um, but who did uh, Jay Perrin lose to on Contender Series? Let me, let me look that up again. Dwight Joseph. Y'all, do y'all remember this Dwight Joseph guy? Did he get signed? I don't even know who the fuck that is. No, it seemed that he probably didn't get a contract. Um, yeah, so I mean, Jay Perrin's solid. Nah, I'm not really not really in a rush to lay chalk on Arichi Lang. Another thing, when you talk about the Asian fighters, one thing I need to know is how far in advance did he make the flight over to the United States? Because, like, y'all remember when I interviewed Dawoon Jung, he told me he needs, like, a month to acclimate to be here. And usually these guys are showing up on Tuesday of fight week, but to take it a step further, in, like, that past camp that Arichi Lang did, he did it at fight ready. So he was already in the States in Arizona, which is, I mean, it can't be too far of a flight from from Salt Lake City, right? So, someone let me know: Did he do this camp at Fight Ready, or was he back uh, back home overseas? Because if it's overseas, then I'm worried about that flight. I'm worried about that jet lag, mixing the jet lag with the elevation. Then I'm worried about it. Um, so I think if you give me the best, Arichi Lang, Mongolian murder, I think he wins this fight. But for him to make a statement, he needs to land those big shots. He needs to get a knockdown. He needs to hurt this guy. If not, it can be competitive at times because the output is kind of on the lower side for our Richie Lang. And Jake, Jay Perrin is just that kind of hard-nosed workman who's not spectacular anywhere, not the best athlete, but is just kind of good. It's just kind of decent everywhere and just decently well-rounded, just solid, right? So I, I see the case for the underdog shot here, but I'm going to lean with Arichi Lang to have the bigger moments, land the bigger shots, and and edge this one out. Now, last but not least, kicking off the car. This should be exciting. We got Victor Altamirano. He's 10-2, and two, representing Mexico, taking on Daniel Da Silva Lacerda, who's 11-3, and three, representing Brazil. And currently, they got it. Victor Altamirano, minus 175. The comeback on Daniel Da Silva is plus 150. So, really good fight. Um, you know, I like this kid, Victor Altamirano, man. I mean, I know that there's some holes in his game. I know there's some things he needs to patch up. I'm actually surprised he's 31. I thought, I thought like, I've been fucking up the ages all day. I thought for some reason he was, like, 21. But this kid's a serious Mexican warrior, man. I mean, that fight he had on Contender Series with Carlos Candelario, amazing fight. No matter who you scored it for, fantastic dog fight. And, like, you really saw towards the later rounds that Mexican heart, that Mexican spirit from Victor Altamirano really take over. And even the Carlos Hernandez fight he had in his UFC debut, that was a fantastic fight as well. Like, Carlos Hernandez was that dude that had that fight on Contender Series with Daniel Barres. And, like, dude, like, they had an absolute great fight. The issue with Victor Altamirano gives up takedowns way too easily. Now, for flyweight standards, He's he's a he's a long he's he's a long dude, man. Like you don't often see too many flyweights who are five foot eight with seventy inch reaches. Now Daniel De Silva, five foot six with a seventy inch reach. So these guys got long these guys got longer reaches than Max Holloway, you know. So I think that Daniel De Silva is going to be able to take down Victor Altamirano in the early going. Daniel De Silva's hell on wheels for those first few minutes, man. This dude, like he's going to bring it. He's like a killer be killed type guy. And I think that he can overwhelm Altamirano early on. It's just that what's going to happen in this elevation when Altamirano's still there, when he's still hanging on, and Daniel De Silva starts huffing and puffing, and that's when we get to see the long strikes of Victor Altamirano. That's when we get to see that Mexican heart start to go to the body, start to mix things up. So if this is a three-round fight, 
then I see Altamirano, you know, winning the second and third rounds and winning a decision. You just can't count out that early finish from Daniel De Silva because he's one of those guys that's hell on wheels early on. Like he gave Jeffrey Molina everything you could handle early on. He took down uh, Francisco Figueredo right away. It's just that in that aggression, he leaves a lot of openings as a result. So that's what you got to be worried about. So, yeah, I think Daniel De Silva is going to give Altamirano better as a sweat early on for sure. But if De Silva is not able to get that early finish, then I think uh, I think Victor Altamirano wins that fight. And someone asked me, is De Silva with Oliveira Nascimento? Yeah, with those guys, with Daniel Willie Catch, like he uh, he trains with all those guys, the the uh, Diego Lima shoot the box. All right, y'all. So I'm gonna post the link to join the the call. Um, don't 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 be like that one weirdo. You know what I mean? Like, look, if you want to call me out and talk shit to me, like that's totally cool. Like, I got no issue with that. Like, we can have a fun banter, go back and forth. Tell me how fake my chains are. Tell me how much I suck at betting. Tell me how ugly I am. Like, that's fine. Like, y- y'all can do all that. I got no issue with that. But don't but don't 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 be posting pictures of you sucking off another man on my show. Like, please, like. Let's keep it. We can keep it rated R, but let's not keep it rated X. All right. So I'm going to post a link here. I'm going to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. And then uh, after that, y'all are more than welcome to join me. Give me your hot takes. Tell me what y'all think. And uh, let's do it. So fight to watch. I mean, I think I, I think y'all know what the fight to watch is. The fight to watch is Jose Aldo versus Murad Duwalashvili. That such high stakes on the line especially considering the fact that cheeto vera just had the performance he did you got tj dillashaw taking on aljamain sterling for the title it's almost like they got a bantamweight tournament going on and whoever has the most impressive performances out of all the uh, out of all these fighters is going to be fighting for the title so there's a lot on the line for aldo and Murab. you know aldo with the legendary takedown defense been training his boxing with the Brazilian Navy. Murab Duwalish really can attempt 22 takedowns in a fight and not get tired. This fight's in elevation. So many, it's three rounds and not five. So many factors. So for that reason, such high stakes. Jose Aldo versus Murab Duwalish really is my fight to watch. My fighter to watch is going to be Paulo Costa, man. I mean, listen, Paulo Costa, prior to the Izzy fight, a lot of people thought that he could have been the guy to dethrone the great Izzy. You know, he had a very embarrassing performance there. Now, he kind of bounced back um, against Vittori, not bounced back in the win column, but bounced back in terms of, you know, his credibility. And I say that with the weight shit that went on. I just mean in terms of the performance. Like They put on a fight of the night in one of the top 10 fights of that year. So at least, like, people viewed it like, okay, Paulo's it's a step in the right direction. Now, if Paulo comes out here and knocks out Luke Rockhold in the first round, then it's safe to say, okay, Paulo's back. Now we can start matching him up with the upper echelon of the middleweight division again. So for that reason, Paulo Costa is my fighter to watch. All right, y'all. So there's the link uh, in the chat. Y'all can y'all can hop in here. Y'all know the rules. Um, and let's do this. So also, I'm going uh, to on Twitter too. see what everybody on Twitter is up to. All right, I'm, here's what I'm tweeting. Now is the time to join me. Battle and tell me your picks or talk some shit. Here is the link to join the live stream. Michael. 
So now I'm going to have to battle and tell me your picks or talk some shit to me. Here's the link to join the live stream. All right, cool. Tweeted it out. All right. Awesome. So in the meantime, um, in the meantime, I'll answer some questions. So let me see what y'all got for me. Big Mark said, whatever happened to Max Bet season? Um, I had five units on Rafael Fiziev a couple weeks ago. That cashed. So, yeah. Um, I think it was just more so a thing where it was like, like, the max bet season was literally like it was literally like a full season of like max bet every single event event after event after event after event and you know you can't do that forever so um there will be a time to have some more five unit bets for sure down the line and i think like i said the most recent one i made was that uh that uh rafael fizzy fight which I was very happy with. So yeah, uh, max bet season will, will return. It's just, there needs to be a stretch of continual fights that are worth that five unit risk or to win five units, which I like to do now. Pound for pound dad boss said, if you had to pick one underdog pick for the main card and prelims, who would you go with? Shit. That's tough, man. Maybe Ange Lusa on the prelims and then main card, even though I'm picking Morab to win the fight. Jose, if if it's a split decision, there's some value on Jose possibly. Um, Two real said, "Yo, Dan, been subscribed for the better part of three years. How the hell do you not have these ten to fifteen k views? Your show is the best. I really don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I don't have a big website pushing me, and um, it's just me and y'all, man. So you know, y'all got to spread the word. Y'all got to tell people you're enjoying this. You know, and tweet, share, comment." All those little things will help. Now, at one point, we were doing a lot of views, but I ended up getting sick with COVID and had to take like three months off. And I think that I lost a lot of momentum during that time. So that might that might be part of it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. And I also think that since I had a shitty betting year in 2021, a lot of people forgot. A lot of people wrote me off, even though this year I'm having my best year to date. But it is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm cool with the real ones sticking with me. So I appreciate y'all. Um, any action said hey Dan do you ever hedge parlays I'm thinking of hedging a two-legger with Romanov minus 350 on it that Tybor line keeps climbing I don't hedge but if you can guarantee yourself money I don't, I don't see an issue with it Um, alright y'all got anything else are y'all too scared to come in here man I mean I know that one guy went running MMA investor Goron you want to come in here and actually like talk some shit to me or like, but actually talk shit, not not any of that, you know, pussy shit that that kid did. Uncle Weezy, you in here? Uh, Moyes, I've never seen what you look like. I, I'd like to talk to you sometime. Let's see. Um, anything else? Uh, sorry, I'm scrolling up. That's why. That's why I'm being quiet. They say men aren't good at multitasking. Is it men or women that aren't good at multitasking? Okay, we got one in here. What's up, Kevin? Oh, shit. What's going getting on, off, man? Getting off work, repping the blue hey, shirt what, again. What do you think the odds are that Hunter's going to fight making it out of the first round? The odds of what? That's right, man. <laughs> hey, repeat the question. What do you think the odds are of the Hunter's fight making out of the first round? Uh, the I, odds of the Hunter's fight getting out of the first well, the under is minus 400. Um, so 
No, I, th- I think Tyson. I think. I think Tyson Pedro is going to destroy the future goat Harry Hunsucker. So, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see him getting out the first round. Oh man. I thought you were going with Hunsucker to knock out Pedro, man. No, nah, I'm going with Hunsucker to knock out Jerry Francis and John Jones, but not Tyson Pedro. Hey, your connection's kind of okay. shitty, bro. You might you Bad might be in up. a suspect area. Um, but uh, hey, it's good to see you, buddy. But uh, try try to get a better connection though, and and come back in here. All right, bro. Good talking to you. Um. All right, let me see what else we got in the chat. I'm scrolling all the way up now. Colby Chaos said, placing Onama in a parlay versus betting Nate the train straight is the difference between an average and an elite capper. Yeah, I was happy to uh, to cash on Nate Landwehr that night, plus 265, two units on it. It's not like I took a half unit shot. I put two units on it, so was very happy with that. And it went how we thought he might die in that first round, but if he can get if he if he can get it past the first round, um, he was very live there, and and that's what happened. My boy pound for pound dad bot said he already smashed that like button. You see what you, see, you know? My boy pound for pound dad bot, pound for pound dad bot understands the assignment. I appreciate that. All right, let me see what else y'all got. If anyone else wants to join, here's the last call. If not, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm just gonna scroll down. One last time and see these last few comments. Okay. My boy said, Dope Hat. Hell yeah. Braves, World Series champs. Just got to keep spanking these Mets. You know, these last two nights have been fucking amazing. We just got to keep teaching them a lesson. Um, okay. Big Mark says Daniel De Silva is his dog of the night. Good luck with that. I mean, listen, he's always got a chance early. The kid's hell on wheels early. Pound for pound, Dadbot said he cashed in on Landwehr last week. Hell yeah, glad glad to see that. Um, any action said thoughts on the Braves season? I think the Braves season's going great, man. I mean, fucking sign Austin Riley to a ten-year contract, Matt Olson to an eight-year contract, Michael Harris to an eight-year contract. Like we're locking in our core players. We're really buckling down now that it's the end of the season like we always tend to do. And I think we're live in the playoffs like we always are, man. So I think that right now with this momentum we got, we're just going to carry it through the next few months and and make a run. So I'm excited. And I, I really hope the Mets uh, fall off, which uh, which they are known to do. My boy Mario said, fight to watch is Aldo versus Morale. How do you see 35 playing out in terms of future matchups? All right, so we got Cheeto waiting in the wings. What I actually could see happening is, so if TJ Dillashaw beats Aljamain, I don't I don't think they'll give Aljamain a rematch because even though Aljamain definitely won that last one fair and square, the way he won the belt is still left a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. And, I don't think people take him as seriously as they take other champions. That's just my opinion. So I think if TJ were to win, they would just move on and they'd give uh, Cheeto Vera a title shot against TJ Dillashaw. Now, if Marab wins impressively, he has to win more impressively than uh, than Cheeto, right? For him to, to for him to skip Cheeto, you could always see Marab versus Cheeto in a five round fight. You could do the Cheeto versus Aldo rematch if Aldo wins. There's a lot of possibilities, but I think most likely 
we see uh, Cheeto fight the winner of TJ Dillashaw versus, uh, versus Aljo for the next title shot. And then Marab and Aldo winner can maybe fight the winner of that. Or take one more. My boy Jesse said he loves that. I love that. I like baseball. Fuck yeah, man. It's a great it's a great sport if you understand it. Like if you don't if you don't understand it, then I get why it can seem boring. But like if you if you understand it, and you gotta understand, like I grew up playing baseball like for so many fucking years. So like I I, I understand it, you know. I, that's why I love baseball. It's my it's my second favorite sport. Um why did you said what do you think about Frankie versus Cruz? I think that's a great matchup. That's one I've been calling for, man. I think that Frankie versus Cruz, two legends, two former champions, two future Hall of Famers, like that's the fight to make and I'd I'd love to see that. Oh yeah, why did you said Sugar Sean going to put Yan to sleep? And I'm glad you brought up that fight because like that's another one that, you know, I forgot about in this like bantamweight tournament that's going on. So like again, whoever has the most impressive performance of all those fights is probably getting the next title shot. Um, I could see uh, Yan getting a shot if TJ wins. Um, but at the same time, with what Cheeto's been up to lately, I won't be surprised if he gets the next shot. Kevin, what's up? You back, man? You sound better? Yeah, yeah, Does that sound any better? Decent? Yeah, a little, a little bit. A little right, bit. Man, since, since we're... Since we're going with these uh, possible 135 matchups, let's say um, let's say uh, Cheeto gets uh, Yawn next. If, if of course if Yawn gets past uh, O'Malley, who, who, who do you think wins that first round? Since they're both kind of slow starters, it's gonna <laughs> look at each other for the first round. That, that's a good question. Uh, sorry, you're cutting out, but I heard I heard what you said. He said, "What do I think happens?" Did you get that? And in, in the, yeah, yeah, I got that. He said, "What do I think happens in the first round between Cheeto and and Yan?" Because Cheeto and Yan are are known for losing the first rounds of a lot of their fights. Um, I'd say Yan wins that first round, and I think that that's actually kind of a tougher matchup for Cheeto. It's just the only thing is with a guy like Yan who also absorbs a lot of strikes, I keep saying it, it's going to be a sad day when Cheeto finally gets knocked out. It's going to be a sad day when Yan finally gets knocked out. So that's one of those fights where Yan should absolutely be favored, but I'd be curious to see if, you know, when Cheeto inflicts his shots, would they actually damage Yan the same way they damage all these other guys? So that, that's what I'm curious to see. So uh, th that'd be a great fight. On a technical level, I think Yan's better. It's just... You know, Cheeto's got those intangibles that you can't really measure on paper or on tape. Um, so, yeah, it'd be a great fight. And and it'd have to be five rounds. Yeah, that's a minute fight for sure. Hell yeah, man. So, I appreciate you, buddy. Are you rooting for Jan against O'Malley? Um, well, it's not that I'm not rooting for Jan. I think Jan's nah, a man. badass. Nah, getting, nah, I got to go into Walmart, bro. No, it's not that I'm not rooting for Yan. I love Yan, one of my favorite fighters. It's just more so like you see a plus 350 on Sean O'Malley. And even though I think Yan probably wins that fight, you know, it might be worth a one-unit shot at plus, uh, three, uh, plus 350. You're not often going to see a line like that on O'Malley. And it's a striking match most likely, so he's got a chance. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Yan's the pick, but the bet, maybe, maybe – Roll the dice on those plus 350 odds. I don't know. See what happens. 
Yeah, he could win the first round. Exactly. So who knows? All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Kevin's a cool dude. Cool dude. YGG said, who's next for Ricky Simone? It's a good question. Let's see what the rankings are looking like. So next, Ricky Simone. So Ricky Simone's currently ranked number eleven. Ahead of him, we got Sonya Dong, who's currently booked against Sanhagen. We got Pedro Munoz, who doesn't have a fight, so that's an option. You could do Ricky Simone versus Pedro Munoz. Dominic Cruz is not fighting anytime soon. Rob Font's not fighting anytime soon. Marab's booked. Marlon is not going to fight Ricky Simon. Corey's booked, Jose's booked, TJ's booked, Peter's booked. So the only option ahead of him is Pedro Munoz. If you want to go behind him, you could do the legend Frankie Edgar, but like I'd rather Frankie fight Dominic Cruz. So I, I guess Ricky Simon, Ricky Simone versus Pedro Munoz. Um, you know, like we talk about all the time, ushering out that old guard out the rankings. That'd be a good spot to do that. So let's see Ricky versus Pedro. Um my boy MMA Locker said MMA Locker said dope shirt. Hey, you know we gotta rip my boy Trey Young. They don't know about my dog Trey Young. You know what's funny? So I went to a uh, Hawks game like a few years back, like back before Trey Young was the superstar that he is today. And I had no idea who he was, right? And and we were sitting on the floor and as and you know he's like six foot one, which like for our standards is tall, but like for NBA standards is like really short because all those other dudes are like six eight, seven feet, this and that. So I'm like, who the fuck's this little dude who's out here balling? And it happened to be Trey Young. And ever since then, he's just like a virtuoso out there. Just the way he plays the game, like in basketball is one of those things. Unless it's the playoffs, the playoffs you can watch live on TV, but the regular season is not fun on TV. But if you watch a regular season game in person, dude, it's a lot, a lot of fun, especially on the floor. So y'all should definitely check them out. But, man, when I saw Trey Young play up close and personal, oh, my God. Like, it's just a maestro at his craft, a virtuoso, something special. And my boy YGG said, don't forget about Song versus Sanhagen. Yeah, exactly. That's another fight in that tournament. I think that's a fucking great fight. My boy L said, smash the like button for Dan Boys consistently putting out good show and providing us with his insights. Thank you, man. I appreciate you being here with me. Smash that like button, y'all. All right, so last call. So the link is down there in the chat. If anybody else wants to join in here, tell me anything else. Talk shit, whatever. Let's do it. Um, if not, I'm going to say my last few words, where to find me, all that stuff. But this is y'all's last call to join in here and talk to me. So y'all know where to subscribe to Half the Battle, everywhere podcasts are found iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud. I don't know if I already said that. Literally anywhere you can find podcasts, that's where it's at. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. My bets are either given out here on Twitter at BetMMATips slash Best Fight Picks. I'm on a really good run right now. Really happy, feeling amazing about my bets lately. Just because ever since I stopped that tout bullshit, like it's just just like a big weight's been lifted off my shoulder and I just really enjoy doing this again. And you can, you guys can tell the results are showing. So back to the underdogs that I've been known for, for so long, you know, the Nate Landwars, the Jeff Neals, um, even that kid that beat uh, Juan Adams the other day in PFL. Like we've just, we've just been raking on these underdogs. So it's been a great ride and I look to continue that. Um, 
pound for pound dad boss said ignore the haters love the sports outfit got to represent your teams yeah look i agree with ignoring the haters for sure but like when they get an opportunity like like here when we're on screen it's different than on twitter because on twitter like you know they can just hide behind a fake profile but here when they hate when they're actually coming to my show they're watching my show and, and, and they're hating they get an opportunity to actually come in here and tell me exactly what they said in the chat, but say it face to face. And then we can see what they look like. Like, is it some alpha male stud talking shit like that to me? Or is it some like that fucking uh, meme of like the dude, like in, from South Park who's fat as fuck, like eating the Cheetos, you know, looking depressed as fuck. Or is it, or is it, or is it that guy talking shit to me? That's what I want to know because there's a saying about, you know, someone more successful than you. It's never someone more successful than you that's going to talk shit to you. So honestly, giving them the chance to come on here and go side by side with me might be a humbling experience for them. Might actually teach them a lesson to, you know, be humble um, and to be a better person, you know, because like, you don't really see me like you might see me joke around and be sarcastic and this and that, but you don't really see me hating on anybody. Like people like to pile on and, and have that kind of mob mentality and this and that. And I, I just, I hate bullies, you know what I'm saying? So I'm always down to defend myself. The reason I don't go back and forth on Twitter much is because it's on a keyboard and it's a waste of time. But on here on my show, I feel like verbally when we can see each other, we can see who's the person make eye contact well virtual eye contact i think it's a lot funner i think it's entertaining for the fans so as long as i can entertain y'all while giving y'all good information putting on a good show that's what matters to me most so um i really appreciate you guys so much so thank y'all so I, I guess that's it so again thank y'all so much smash the like button oh my boy colby chaos said don't forget about burrito versus feely that was a good underdog play as well plus 250 uh, smash the like button hit the subscribe after this is over leave me a comment on Twitter, please retweet. And if you genuinely found something like informative or interesting or just you like unique, whatever that you didn't hear anywhere else, tweet about it. Like let people know. Like let's let's grow this show. So I truly, truly appreciate y'all being here with me, man. So thank y'all so much. Y'all know where to follow me. Subscribe, comment, share, retweet, like, all that stuff. Thank y'all again for everything. I'll be back for the next card. Uh, I believe it's not until actually two weeks from now, but I'll still I'll, I'll go live on Wednesday anyways, and we can like recap the last card and just talk and have a good time together. So thank y'all again for everything. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.